Hi, welcome to Nothing Going On Here and a bit of a new angle to the podcast um, in an episode called Don't Get Bored With Peace. So boredom is a topic you don't hear a lot about in the context of a spiritual path. You hear a lot about discipline, effort, perseverance. You, you hear about attachment and distractions of meditation. You, you hear about spiritual bypassing and spiritual materialism. But boredom, not so much. And yet for me, and, and I suspect for others, since as we know, there are no others <laughs> in the truest sense of the word, boredom did become a thing. And in many ways, boredom has been the most challenging of the obstacles that I have encountered on this journey of awakening that we're all on. Now, I'm not talking so much about those fallow periods uh, when the energy and inspiration gauges dip so low they don't even register and, and you feel anxious that you might never do anything productive again. Uh, yes, boredom is part of that adaptation process, uh, adaptation to the acceptance that there are natural cycles of production and non-production and that trying to force production out of a state of non-production is likely to be, well, non-productive. So um, I'm more speaking to a kind of finer weave in the fabric when we have already already settled down a bit into ourselves, having already to a large extent given up on the notion of being the doer of anything, even though you're still doing things and you're still aware of the construct of the doer. So it is after this period of surrender that it is quite possible, though I'm sure not inevitable, that boredom might set in as a kind of slow rot that you have to kind of find a way to, to dig out. Because once you've seen through the majority of the programming and have actively kind of back-engineered substantial stacks of conditioning, something quite miraculous happens as many of you who are listening to this or reading this blog know a sense of peace comes upon you that is so deep it goes beyond any notion you've ever had about an emotion or a feeling or a state or even an experience it feels like grace and grace is the only word that seems to work weeks and weeks of the grace and it's quite possible although again not inevitable that the ego begins to kick a little against all this peace business the ego's used to drama it wants a project it wants identification and grace is quietly eroding what's left of your identification after the deconstruction projects of the thought systems that had become rooted into an idea of a self that is made up of these beliefs and styles and angles rather than just being dressed up in them. So, you know, the ego is not a fan of peace, right? 
Peace is a threat to the ego's very existence. Peace is all pervasive and non-discriminatory. Uh, the ego is only comfortable with distinctions and separations. So when this boredom began to kick in for me, it emerged as a kind of subtle restlessness that I began to feel somewhere in all this peace. It emerged as a very, very subtle sense of struggle. The winter had crushed me into a quiet lump in front of the fireplace. And I had resisted all the usual tugs to move away from eyeballing this startling clarity in the stillness that was calling me towards it. This boredom manifested for me as an inability to sit still. I seemed no longer able to meditate for long periods. Everything just began to feel exactly the same, unnervingly the same. And I was thinking, wow, is this it? My ego was getting antsy. I recognized it, but I was also fooled by it on occasion because I did not expect this boredom, which was the only word I could find to describe the feeling. Yeah, a sort of, is this all there is? With a hint of despair in that question. The ever-changing landscape of the spiritual adventure had been tough. But this, this continuity of no-thingness was simultaneously profoundly beautiful and frighteningly predatory. This piece is going to eat me whole, <laughs> said the ego. And naturally, it began to look for things to do with the piece. So it would not be the eaten but the eater. I flipped through my copy of I Am That to see if Maharaj Nizagadatta had anything to say on the topic. I found one reference to boredom, but it was all I needed. Once the mind is quiet, keep it quiet. Don't get bored with peace. Be in it. Go deeper into it. That's what he said. So here, Nizagadatta is acknowledging the possibility of getting bored with peace, which was a relief to hear in and of itself. And the go deeper into it, that was what I knew I had to do, even though I was circling around it like a nervous horse. Again, it was fear, I think, that I had interpreted as boredom. It was the fear of getting engulfed, swallowed by the whale, annihilated. Death, not physical death, but death of the identified self. As long as there was an I that was experiencing all of this, the ego felt secure. But this, this was starting to get serious. It felt like finding myself suddenly far, far from home and yet I knew that my real home was in the opposite direction to where my fear was calling me. Across that murky, misty mountain range, so imposing and unforgiving. Later, Nizagadatta talks about the significance 
of the repetition of struggling on and on with endurance and perseverance, despite the boredom and even despite despair. Because there is something behind it that will always serve as the saving grace in every conundrum. And that is the sincere urge towards liberation, what he often refers to as spiritual earnestness. Go into it. That's good advice. It's how I'm responding to everything that arises now. Instead of trying to avoid discomfort, I lean into it. I go deeper towards it. Boredom was difficult because I hadn't realized that boredom was a cover for fear, for a certain reactivity, not terror exactly, but discomfort, anxiety, the jitterbug effect. The peace as threat scenario is very well known to trauma therapists. It's why some children and, and adults even who have suffered trauma and are then guided to lay down their defenses in therapeutic environments and using uh, therapeutic measures can go home and have massive panic attacks, attacks right afterwards. Traumatic responses can be recruited and are recruited often as protective strategies. So giving up these strategies can feel threatening even though they are obviously a huge step towards getting well, right, towards moving on. But they can even reproduce the emotional imprint of previous traumatic events themselves. The ego also sees itself as protective. It can even, and usually does, divide itself into various parts with distinctive roles. Dr. Richard Schwartz labels these parts as the managers, the firefighters, the critics, the exiles, and so on. But it isn't necessary to have a history of trauma to get the jitterbug effect during a period of long-term mental quiescence. It is very normal. And I now realize that it is really simply a matter of settling in and adapting to a new normal. It may feel like another level of letting go, for me, it felt more like going deeper into a body of dark water. It's a strange thing, this aversion to peace. In many ways, the periods of fighting off demons and phantoms was easier. Perhaps not easier, but more satisfying. Because, you know, the ego can handle being the protagonist of its own spiritual drama. In fact, it was born to play that role, it seems. I sat in peace and the restlessness began to stir. And I found myself eyeing the bow and arrow on the door, the call to adventure. I felt like Bilbo Baggins, now armed with all this peace. Surely I could take on the orcs of Mordor. You have this spiritual currency now, it seems. So you look to spend it. It's kind of a capitalistic urge. The ego wants to do something with the peace. It wants a project. It wants a cause. You can't just sit with it. You find yourself looking into joining an ashram in Costa Rica or a noble-looking NGO. The further away, the better. Now, this isn't to say that you shouldn't join an ashram or work for a noble NGO or go off into a cave in Tibet. 
you have to do something with the experience though, right? You can't go deeper into it. Anything but that, because that smells like a kind of death. The reason is that the piece doesn't feel completely safe. And this is an interesting contradiction, right? We're so conditioned to reactivity. We get nervy around the piece. And in all honesty, we're right to be. The piece is not safe, not for the ego mind. It will destroy us. It will devour us. And this is why all those gods and goddesses often look so monstrous and terrifying. You don't get out of here alive. An awakening requires a death in life. So this is like maybe how Bilbo Baggins was like feeling out of his depth and telling the dwarfs that he's going back to the Shire. But this is the real adventure. It's an inside job, right? It's an inside job. You might feel this boredom as inertia. It's a tamas state. It's scary because it feels like quicksand and anyone who's done more than a passing blow with depression knows this fear of going down against your will, of getting sucked down against your will. Rajas is the jitterbug mind that kicks against the inertia. Rajas is what gets you looking up flights to Costa Rica. <laughs> Rajas is checking the quivers in the bow. There's a constant tension between tamas and rajas, but the reality of sattva, truth, is neither of these. It is completely beyond these kinds of definitions. Don't get bored with peace. What a line. Because it is if and when we get bored with peace, that we are in danger of prolonging the game, of just unnecessarily lengthening it, really, because it takes us back to our old tricks. It may seem like new tricks, but it's really the old tricks dressed up in spiritual clothing. By all means, go join an ashram, hightail it to a cave in the Himalayas, gather up your worldly belongings and give them up to charity. But remember, the best opportunity we ever have is where we are now. In fact, it is the only opportunity because when are we going to take that opportunity? Is it when we book the plane? Is it when we're on the plane? Is it when we reach the cave? When does it kick in, this plan to spend all this peace we've saved up? And are we in danger of squandering it all along the way? I would hazard a guess that if you've read this far, you're ready for this day, for the quicksand. Perhaps a bit more so, knowing that none of us are really alone. I suspect there are millions of us pondering these questions, getting nervy, finding courage in the call to awakening. Wherever we go, eventually we will need to learn to stay. No experiences really lead anywhere you find. They seem like they're going somewhere because there are all these interesting twists and turns and knots and plots, but eventually they all just come back upon themselves. Every rabbit hole is part of the same warren. You'll rack up a whole data bank of experiences and eventually you'll get tired of it all. It will all start to seem like more of the same. If not now, then at some point. 
you may need to get it out of your system first. But if you think you might be ready for the stay, take it from Nizagadatta. Don't get bored with peace. Stay, stay. I was talking to myself like I was a badly trained dog for months. Stay, stay, stay. It was uncomfortable, fascinating, humbling to watch how my ego wriggled and squirmed under this kind of scrutiny and immobility. Ramdas also wrote about boredom. I looked it up. I wanted to see who'd written about it. And I had this sense that if anyone had tackled the subject, then they were really worth my time. He said, I remember when I got into my cell in Burma. He means a meditation cell, but not a prison cell, though they can perhaps feel like the same thing. I spent the day in my cell, the first day of my two months, meditating righteously and getting my sleeping bag right and my food containers and studying the spider at the window and all the things you do. Then I realized I had months yet to go and I was bored. I was really bored. <laughs> so what Ramdas did then, because he was Ramdas, he made boredom the object of his meditation. And this is where things began to shift because he questioned this label, boredom, realizing it as a label and began to unpack it. What does it mean? What does it feel like? What the hell is this thing called boredom anyway? It's most probably not what we think it is. He goes on. It's interesting to make peace with boredom. Nothing's happening. Nothing's ever going to happen again. And here we are. It's fascinating because when you pull back from a certain level of experiencing life and see that it's just more stuff, no matter how fancy the packaging is, it's just more stuff. You get to the point of realizing that when you are in the here and now, you are here and you're not going anywhere and nothing's ever going to happen. I had to laugh reading this last part because that's exactly how I felt over this winter of 21 to 22. And I would add, and nothing has ever happened. <laughs> I would be lying if I said I'm completely out of the boredom woods. I still have moments of the jitters they don't last as long and I can hold their gaze for longer now. This is how the path works for me. Incrementally, no stone unturned. So what do I do with the boredom? I increase the exposure. I take a leaf out of the gold-leafed books of Nizagadatta and Ramdas and I lean into it. I keep it in my sights. And you know what? It turns. It changes. I'm not going to give away what it turns into. You try it and see. And yes, I do see the irony of writing a blog about not being able to sit still with peace. Well, none of us are perfect, are we? And I can make peace with that as well. See you next time.